I'm going to I'm going to read uh, Exodus chapter 32. Some of this passage, the Lord has really illuminated to me this morning. We'll start just at verse one, Exodus 32 and one. It says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves unto Aaron. Okay, so this is during the time of the Exodus. Obviously, we're reading in Exodus chapter 32. So the children of Israel have been led out of Egypt, and they're wandering through this wilderness. And Moses departs up into a mountain to be alone with God. The first thing I thought when I read this passage and the Lord started dealing with me is I don't get to base my relationship with the Lord on what the leader is doing. I'm not trying to be mean, but I got to just say this. I can't look at the leadership in my life, those that I'm submitted to and say, well, I don't know what what's going on with them. Man, Bishop, he's never here. Brother Hardy's doing all this traveling. They're just they're gone. The Lord's delaying. I don't know what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find an occasion to step outside of what I know is this authority and, and, and this truth and this leading and what God would say to us. I don't get to. Everything that's going to happen after this is because of this attitude that they have in verse 1. Moses is delayed. That says that their relationship with God was predicated on their relationship with their leader. And when he's nowhere to be found, man, it takes a dive fast. It takes a dive fast. From Moses spending time alone with God in the mountain to them going up to Aaron. We don't know what's taken Moses so long. We don't know. Clearly, he, doesn't, he didn't get the memo that this was my child's birthday and he didn't show up at the birthday party. Or he doesn't know that my, my mom is sick, and he's supposed to be coming through and praying for her. He's not doing his job. No, he's in the, he, Moses is in the mountain having this alone time with God, getting direction and instruction, wisdom for the children of Israel. But the children of Israel just see this as he's on a break somewhere. He's on a holiday somewhere. The people gathered themselves unto Aaron. And said unto him, up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, it, is, it always strikes me how we, I mean the numbers, you know the numbers as good as I do. Well into the millions likely of the children of Israel. And it says, they said, they went, they approached. I don't know about you, but if I saw a million people walking at me and mad, I'd be a little scared. But so what we see is it, it, this is the constituency. This is the voice of the people. The attitude, the prevailing attitude of the people. So these are leaders that speak for the group that approach Moses, that approach Aaron, whatever it is. When it says they came and said, this, this is the... This is the, the the, the, those that speak on behalf of the children of Israel. That makes sense? Not that, not that all one million or so people approached Moses 
or Aaron at the time and and said this. No, this, this is someone or a group of leaders speaking on behalf. But they say here, this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not, that means we don't know, what has become of him. Verse 2, and Aaron said unto them, just give it a little time. Just be patient. Let's trust that the Lord's doing something. No. <laughs> Man. Aaron just says, give me some gold. I'll make you a calf. Because he's listening to what the people say to him. Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Verse 3. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. Verse 4. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel. They said. Not Aaron said. Aaron made the, made the golden calf. But remember, they, they approached him and said, make us gods. Give us something to worship because Moses is out of the picture. And where Mo, when Moses is gone, God is gone. There, there, there's, no, there's no God speaking to us through Moses. There's no, the, the one that led us out of Egypt, the one that did those plagues and, and worked on our behalf, he's gone. And Moses is gone. We need a God. We need something to worship. So Aaron does this, gives it back to them, and they say, they approach back to the million, the, the group, these are your gods, O Israel, which brought thee, oh, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. This thing that you were just wearing on your ear five minutes ago. And, uh, and gathered all together with the rest of all this. That is what brought you out of Egypt. Next verse. And when Aaron saw it, he built. Sorry, I'm mad. I don't know why I'm mad, but I'm mad. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar. For this thing that he just made. Because the people wanted him to. He built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. Aaron, he's got to be somewhere in between. He, what's going on here? Uh, I'm just trying to do what I think the people want me to do. Really, that's, that's kind of the boat that he's in. But I know that tomorrow, you know, is supposed to be a feast so we got, the, we, we got a, a, some kind of semi-God here, and we got a people that want to worship, and I'm the priest, and uh, I know that tomorrow's a church day on my calendar. So, hey, everybody, church is tomorrow. We got a feast. Verse 6. And they rose up early. They had no problem getting up early. Notice that. They were devoted to worship. They rose up early to worship, offered burnt offerings, 
brought peace offerings, and the people sat down and to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, okay, now we're jumping back up to the dialogue that's going on on the mountain. Those first six verses is what happened down below. Now, the Lord sees this, and he says to Moses, go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Who said this to whom? The Lord said this to, go get your son. Go get your daughter. The one that you brought out of Egypt. My wife tells me that sometimes. Usually it's when somebody's standing on furniture or swinging from a chandelier. Look at what your son's doing. He's just as much yours as he is mine. But this is what the Lord said to Moses. Your children, your people that you brought out of Egypt. Look at what they're doing. Now, this means something. Okay, keep that in mind because the Lord, this stance, the Lord's not just playing games of they're yours too, Moses. No. They've corrupted themselves. Verse 8. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. Quickly. Everybody say quickly. No. Moses we don't know where he is. We want to worship somebody. We need to have some church. We need to have these burnt offerings. We need to say and proclaim that something has done something for us. So make us this God. That's how quickly it happened. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Verse 10. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. This is the Lord talking to Moses. Get out of the way, Moses. I know, we, I know we've been through a lot lately for that group. But they turned away from me so quickly, corrupted themselves so quickly, I'm ready to start over. I'll make of thee a great nation, Moses. We'll start over, me and you, just like I did with Abraham. Just like I did with Noah. Just like I did with Adam. I will make a great nation out of you. Verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt? Moses knew who did it. Even when the Lord tried to tell him, these are your, these are your kids and you, you brought them out. Lord, no. I, I didn't bring about those plagues. I didn't, I didn't work through Pharaoh's heart. I didn't cause the firstborn to be all of that stuff, Lord. You know that. Thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Verse 12. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak 
find this very interesting that Moses is, is, is beseeching the Lord. He's beseeching the Lord. He's trying to have a enlightening conversation with the Lord. Because if you do this, if you wipe out these people after all that you just did in Egypt to get them out here, think about what the Egyptians are going to say about you. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for, the, for mischief did he bring them out to stay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidst to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Moses is appealing to the loving nature of God. God is appealing to Moses on behalf of his wrath. Moses, you know me. You know I don't play games. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get this on and get it over with. But, but Moses, remember these are your people. Remember, these are your chosen people. It goes all the way back to Abraham. When you said you would make of him the great nation. That's who we're talking about down there being foolish. That's who we're talking about down there acting like this. But these are your people. These are your chosen people. You know what? It, it might help you sometimes to pray that way about your neighbor, about your friend, about your relative. Because you know as well as I do, the Lord loves them as much as he loves you and I. Lord, that is your chosen vessel. That is your child. You created them just like he created me. You're no respecter of persons. It's not because I was born into the right family or the right time or the right city. No, that's your child. I know you want to save that child. That's intercession. That's prayer on behalf of a soul. Next verse. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mount. And the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written, verse 16. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. I think it just interjects that part to say how valuable those tables are. Okay, remember that. Valuable tables that the Lord himself wrote on. Just remember that. Verse 17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted... He said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Now, stop for a second, because Joshua was not in this picture that was going on down in the valley where Aaron was with the children of Israel. 
he's far enough away with Moses that he's, he's just listening to what's going on at the camp. Everybody see that? So Joshua's not involved in this corruption. Okay? No, he, he, he went up as far as he could go with Moses. Joshua was, was a leader of the armies. Okay? So he's kind of the bodyguard of Moses. So that's why he's found himself dismissed from, the, from what was happening with the people. Of course, we know that Moses then further separated himself to be alone on the mountain, but Joshua's not going back and partying. He's here with his leader, as close as he can be with his leader. Everybody still with me? There is noise of war in the camp. I know the noise of war. I know, I know what war sounds like. There's war going on in the camp. There's crazy, loud commotion happening at the camp. Verse 18, and he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. Okay, there's two sides of the sound of war. Those, there's the victory shouting, and then there's the crying out for help. But he says, it's not that or that. It's something, something strange happening. I hear something. It's not the sound of the victors yelling for victory. It's not the sound of those being defeated crying for help. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. Singing. That's what I hear coming from our camp. Now, last I checked, we didn't have an all-state youth choir when we departed, and, 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 you know, I don't know what this is all about. What's going on here? But I hear the noise of them that sing. Verse 19. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. Those valuable tables that God himself wrote on. He, uh, just, to, just put yourself in Moses' shoes for just a second. You go from being alone with God on the top of a mountain, having that very close connection and one-on-one -on -one conversation about sparing the people and and, and, and re repent, Lord, you don't want to kill them. You, these are your chosen people. Now he gets down close enough to the action to really see what's happening. And boy, is he mad. Exact same words that it used about God. His anger waxed hot. Okay, I see, Lord. I see what, why you were wanting to do what it is you were wanting to do. Verse 20. And he took the calf, which they had made, and burnt it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. Verse 21. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? 22. 
And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. Now, this sounds a lot like a lot like the conversation we just read a few voices ago between verses ago between God and Moses. Now Moses is going to Aaron. What's happened here? My anger is waxed hot. Now we don't talk about that. I, we don't use those words, but basically what he's saying is, I'm so mad. I don't even have to say how mad I am. You feel the heat coming off of me. Aaron. Oh, you know, these are just some some mischievous people. Think about all the way back into Egypt. I mean, they're good people. They're kind people. They they love the Lord. They they have a desire to work. We had a full house this morning. They, they, They showed up on time. They were there. They're devoted. These are good, kind, devoted, loving, worshiping, singing people. They're just a little mischievous. Twenty-three. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. 24. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out of this calf. How honest is that? One little minor detail. I, I I threw this gold in the fire, and out came this calf. One little minor detail, I left out the part about that chiseling tool that I used to form what this hot blob came out into looking like a calf. No, I threw it in the fire, out comes a calf. Man, you should have been here. None of this would have happened if you were here. Verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Verse 26, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, I know, I know we're walking. We don't, we don't usually just sit here and read a whole chapter. But, but, but I want you to see what happens from the time they just quickly depart to the time they start playing the blame game, but they still like to worship and they still show their devotion and, and Moses is gone and then Moses is back you think all that happens without consequence? Let me show you that it doesn't all happen without consequence. Moses stood in the gate of the camp, said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves. Go ahead. 28, 27. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side. Sons of Levi, those of you that say you're on the Lord's side. Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from the gate, from gate to gate, throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor, 28. 
And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. At the sword of their brother. At the sword of the sons of Levi. Now, how... How did they, how are we supposed to know? I mean, I really don't want to kill any of my brothers. I really don't want to slay anybody. I'm just trying to follow the leader. I'm just trying to worship God, the one that brought us out of Egypt. 3,000 fell that day. Next verse. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Verse 30. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure, I shall make an atonement for your sin. 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. I know you already told me this. We were back about verse 8 when the Lord told Moses exactly what was going on down there. But Moses got down there himself saw what was happening, saw the corruption for himself, dare I say, dealt with it. And then he returns back to the Lord to make atonement for the sin of this people. I know that you already know this, God. But they made gods of gold. Next verse. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. 34. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Get back on track. That's what he tells him. Remember we had a plan. We were trying to go somewhere with this. We're, we're on our way out of Egypt and on our way to the promised land. That whole big book that you're holding that's a Bible this one little chapter, it's like a teeny tiny little hiccup in there. You wouldn't even think twice about it, really, from day to day, unless you stop and read it like we are today. But we went from how quickly they forgot and turned and corrupted themselves to worshiping other gods 
to having to be slain, having a line drawn in the sand and say it, if you're on, if you're on the Lord's side, get your sword. To the forgiveness of God, the, re, the repentance, the atonement, and the forgiveness of that sin. Back to verse 34. Get back on the path. Keep walking the way that I want you to walk. Keep going the direction I have chosen for you to go. Will you pray with me? Jesus, God, we desire to live and walk wholly committed to you, wholly surrendered to you, with a life of purity, Lord Jesus, with a life, God, that's surrendered to you and to you alone. We know, God, that it's you that has done miracles for us. We know that it's you, God, that's made a way and prepared a way out of sin for us. Jesus, God, we acknowledge you right now as the one who has done all these things for us. God, I pray right now, Lord, as it's needed, let us find a place of repentance. God, I pray right now as it's needed, blot out the sin, the transgression of your people, Lord Jesus. God, we desire to live fully for you, to live completely for you. In the name of Jesus, God, I, I acknowledge my sin before you, and I know that, Lord, there's been times I've turned away, that I've questioned, that I've doubted, Lord, that I've broken your commandment. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, with a sincere heart, Lord God, Jesus, that you would forgive us, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, will you stand with me? Come on, church. Let's pray to the Lord together. Find a place of repentance right now with the Lord. He's here right now to give repentance, to offer forgiveness. We have to seek it, though. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, you know the avenues that each of us have walked down. Lord, you know the path and each time that we've strayed from that path. Jesus, I pray right now, God, through your grace, Lord, through your mercy, Lord Jesus, that you would pick us up, Lord Jesus, that you would wash us, Lord God, that you would set us right in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want a heart that is quick to repent. Amen. When the Lord pricks my heart, I don't want to argue with God. I want to respond quickly. Amen. When... When the Lord shines the light of his word and truth into my spirit, I don't want to seek to justify my action. I want to repent swiftly. Amen.
I want to be swift to repent. And I want to do it from my heart. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, Brother Flowers. I was marked at the Lord's anger. I'm sure he was angry because, of, I mean, of course, the Scripture says it. They didn't do what he commanded. They've already turned from what he had commanded them. But i got to believe his greatest frustration or anger was the fact that they had turned from it, not just that, well, you didn't do what I directed of you, but what I directed of you was for your good. The direction I gave you was for you. It was for your benefit. It was for your blessing. It was my love towards you that did that. And yet you still did your own thing. I think that's what grieved the heart of God. Not just what they did, but the fact that their actions spoke to how they viewed what he had done for them. And his first response was, I'll just wipe them out. There's a powerful lesson in that passage of Scripture of what can happen when God makes a, sets a direction, but one man prays. Moses was one man. And if Moses would have stepped out of the way, God would have destroyed a million plus people. But Moses was willing to intercede and pray. And so God was willing to repent. Now, God doesn't repent like you and I. We repent of sins. Which to repent is to change one's direction. God chose to change his direction based on the prayer of one man. Aren't you thankful for that? You know, Brother Flowers referenced at the outset, and I felt a witness of the Holy Ghost. I've prayed about this. Uh, I know that I have been traveling quite a bit, especially on weekends. I haven't been traveling playing. Um, I've been somewhere pretty much every weekend in ministry. If I've been gone, I haven't been gone on vacation. I mean, I do sometimes every once in a while. Uh, and I don't apologize for that. Understand that you take vacation too. I'm as human as you, but um, most of my travel on the weekends um, has been—it's uh, really been about ministry. Um, I don't say that boasting. I and I—I I don't go unless I feel like I'm supposed to go. And you should know this. Even if I feel like I'm supposed to go, I don't go unless I get a, a blessing and a release from Bishop. I have accountability in my life. And so you say, oh, he tells you when you can and can't go. Uh, no, not quite. Like It's not how it works. But for me, yeah. He doesn't say, no, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can't. It doesn't work that way. 
I say, Bishop, I'm, and, and he's like, I don't know if I'm okay. It's called accountability in ministry. Um, it's important for somebody today to know that. And but I was marked there that one of the things I've prayed about often is that by God's grace and His Spirit of ministry through whomever He uses when He uses them here, it would bring you and I into a deeper, personal, intimate relationship with God. If your relationship and my relationship with God is based on our relationship with an individual, it will fail. Because as soon as that individual stumbles and falters, Look, I know good, good people who became so loyal in their following of a man. And that man fell. And when that man fell, these people that you thought surely are always going to have a walk with God, they just sort of scattered. Those of you that were here Wednesday night, you heard Bishop reference the church in Puyallup before that was six, seven, eight hundred people strong. When a leader there left, those people just sort of scattered. Now, the, the Lord Jesus himself said, where there is no shepherd, the sheep are scattered. But they didn't scatter to another shepherd. They just scattered and went out into the world and... Lost out on a relationship with God. That meant somewhere along the journey, they never got a deep, abiding, personal relationship with God. Their relationship with God was always some... And, and look, we need a man of God in our lives. I believe that. I'm not discounting my role. I'm not discounting the role of bishop. I'm not discounting Brother Flower. I'm not discounting the role that God places men in our lives as shepherds. And you understand that this morning. But I hear and I feel the reaching of the Spirit of God today, seeking to arrest a heart and say, You have a personal responsibility to a relationship with God. Does God use people in your life to bring you in relationship to Him? Absolutely. Does God intend a, a man of God and a woman of God to have interaction with you to deepen your relationship with Him? Absolutely. But there's a reason the Apostle Paul penned these words. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What was he saying he was saying, you have and I have a personal responsibility to work out. That's the word he's used. Work out my own salvation. How? With fear and trembling. Not I'm afraid and I'm shaking, I'm concerned. Not That's not what he meant when he said work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying you should have a fear of God, a respect and a reverence for God that's yours personally, that you own, 
that you hold to, that when you wake up in the morning, there's a reverence of God on your heart that determines the course of your day. That when you go to work, there's a reverence and a fear of God in your life that directs your actions that day. That when you engage in your daily living and your walk as a parent in your home, as a father and as a mother, there's a fear and a reverence of God that influences your actions that day. When you interact and I interact with my fellow man, there is a fear of God, a holy reverence because of mine and your personal relationship with Him. And it influences everything I do. How come I can't be dishonest on the job because I'm a good person? No, because I have a relationship with a good God. And He affects my actions and my thoughts so that I can't do dishonest things in the fear of God. I have a relationship with God. That's what made the Lord angry, I believe. He was trying to bring them into a personal relationship. But it didn't get any deeper than Moses leading. And isn't it interesting? They wanted to point at Moses find fault with him because it was easier than having personal responsibility for their own walk with God. I don't know why I connect this, but my mind goes to Jesus Christ when he shows up at Mary and Martha's house. And the first thing they say to him. Is Jesus. If you would have been here. Lazarus wouldn't have died. Well it's good to see you too. You understand today. The Lord desires a personal, intimate relationship with you. What does that look like? I'll tell you what it should look like. It should look in such a way that you and I live and walk in ministry Every day that we live. Every day. Now see some of you. That's, that's causing you to shake your head. You're like hold on. Will you? I'm not the minister here. I'm, I'm. Oh no see you're missing the point. Of the personal relationship with God. A minister is one who serves. And so, when I have a personal relationship with God, and I spend time with Him every day, I first serve Him. I first minister unto Him. That's what prayer is. It's not just what God can do for me. It's me ministering unto Him, serving Him, waiting on Him, and then letting Him direct my life that day so that how He wants to use me is what He does through the course of my day. 
That doesn't mean my day is a, a day filled with, ooh, okay, Lord, what am I doing now? Ooh, I feel something right over here with this coworker. Oh, I got to say a word to the. That's not what it is. It's recognizing a need because God illuminates it. But the flowers said it earlier when the Lord puts somebody on my heart, I recognize that. And then I respond as He leads me to. And usually, usually we realize after the fact that it was God. We put too much pressure on ourselves to try to go, ooh, but I, I'm waiting to feel. Quit waiting to feel and just respond to leading. I promise you the devil's not trying to get you to help somebody. Talking about a personal relationship with God. Why don't you stand with me today? This invitation of the Lord is one of love. It's His love toward us that invites us into this. But if I'm not careful, I can fall into that trap. That those people, you say, well, I'm not making golden calves. I'm not, you know, I'm not building other gods. Oh, they may not be like actual golden calves. But I can sure build other things that consume my energy, time, and attention that aren't of him. And it speaks to him of how I value that relationship. I was having a conversation, I think it was with my kids, uh, just the other day. And uh, we were talking about a situation far removed from here. And we were just, I had made the expression, I said, I'm, I'm so marked, I just don't understand how... These individuals can continue this pattern. And they just continue this pattern and they continue this pattern. And they continue this pattern. But somehow they have this idea that because they were filled with the Holy Ghost somewhere along the way years ago. That the Lord just dismisses that pattern of their life that gives no credence to him. And then when the trumpet sounds, they're just going to be they think they're going to be caught home. But they have no relationship with the one who they're going to spend eternity with. But they expect him to bring him home for eternity. I'm sorry. It's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way. I mean, really, think about it. Would you want to spend eternity with someone you have no relationship with? I mean, my wife and I have been married almost 26 years, and there's times she doesn't want to be around me. 
and we probably have, not probably, we definitely have a stronger relationship than anybody else I know. Can you imagine spending eternity with someone but not having a deep relationship with them? Think about that. The Lord, when the trumpet sounds, he's calling his bride home. We're called his bride. His bride. Can you imagine someone marrying someone that they don't have a deep personal relationship with or haven't at least started a pretty deep personal relationship with? You realize what he's doing in the earth is he's finding out who really wants to be a part of his bride. Do they love me more than their own life? He loves you. And he's patient with us. He doesn't say, figure it out today or else. I'm cutting you off. The long suffering of the Lord just keeps reaching. The long suffering of the Lord keeps drawing. He keeps inviting. That's what he's doing today. He's inviting you. Would you pray with me again before we go today? Lord, I want a deep Abiding personal relationship with you. I can't produce that on my own. But your love and your grace draws me to you. Your mercy. Come on, the mercy of God reaches to you and I. You understand today, the Lord's not here beating anybody over the head. It is the mercy of God reaching to us today. He's given us this example from Scripture where he was angry because they had turned so quickly from him but he's not giving us an example to say hey i'm getting ready to cut you off he's giving us an example to show us the contrast of his love toward us that says i want to draw you to myself but this is personal this isn't done through some other man or some other relationship this is personal i want a personal abiding relationship with you Come on, he's drawing you. He's beckoning you. He has plans for you. He wants to work in and through your life. He wants to use you in ministry daily. He, he's drawing you to this, not just so you can say, oh, I feel good about me. No, no, no. It's to work in your life and use you for his purpose and his glory and his kingdom and his cause. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come on, cast off every excuse the enemy would try to plant in your mind about why it can't be you that's used, why it can't be you in deep relationship. Cast off those thoughts. Uh, cast off those ideas that says, I've failed too many times. Come on, that's not the Lord. The Lord's mercy is reaching to you. The long-suffering of God is reaching to you. atahara. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Come on, you feel how close he is right now? You feel his presence reaching to you right now? That's not the, that's the love of God. Don't give room to that voice of condemnation. It's the love of God reaching, drawing, inviting you to himself. Inviting you to himself. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Please be in prayer for the POS meetings that's taking place this week. Um, again, I know many from here are traveling and going to be there. The Lord is going to do great things. Uh, don't forget, no service, no Bible study here this Wednesday night. Um, and we'll get that posted on uh, social media as well. Um, but we will not be having service here this Wednesday night. Um, but if you're not able to travel over, can I encourage you in your home? Why don't you take that time that you might spend coming here and agree in prayer? Wait on the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Pray about what he's doing. Use that opportunity for personal devotion and time with him. Amen. That would be important. Uh, also, please continue in prayer. If you were here Wednesday night, you heard. And uh, But I, I want to make sure everyone's aware. Um, the... The organization that owns this property has reached to us and given us the opportunity to purchase it. It's almost one and a half acres that's here. It's in the county, which is a blessing. The city line goes around it like this, and so it sits in the county, not in the city. Um, it's a good piece of property. The building serves our purpose to some degree. We know we'd have to do work, but we could begin doing that if we own the property. Um, it's got its own well so it has a water source that's really good it's got its own septic so we don't have to worry about those type of utilities so it's an efficient piece of property and uh, we believe the Lord has directed it um if you were here Wednesday night, you heard all of that about the Lord directing and doing things with multiple locations and how the Lord has done that. I'm asking you to pray about that. Um, the Lord is continuing to direct that, and we look forward, and we'll stay in communication about it. We want to stay open in that communication so you're aware of what's going on and what's happening. Okay? Praise God. I was going to tell you one more thing, and it just left me, so I guess I won't. He's a good God, isn't he? He's a great God. I'm so thankful for that. God bless you. I know what I was going to tell you. Um, Brother Rosario, you, you've been seeing him the last few weeks running back and forth here. Um, we've been trying to be better and more diligent about capturing and recording Wednesday night Bible study. And Sunday services. I always am a little skeptical about communicating that. Because some people are like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to make it. But just get me the recording. I will tell you it's not the same. All right. 
It's not the same. It's important to be present in the house of the Lord as much as possible. But that being said, if you're not able, if something happens, you're not able to be here, reach to Brother Zario, and he can email you a link to a service so you'll be able to hear and listen. Um, I know sometimes work schedules preclude people making it at certain times. Get with Brother Zario. He can email you those things. He's glad to do so. And so you can at least stay plugged in to what's going on. Amen? Praise God. Thank you for that focus and dedication there, Brother Zara, that you've shown. I appreciate it. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.